0: Welcome to Sapientia. I'm James. And I'm Justin. And we have another Filling the Gaps episode for you. This is number 2.5. And so last podcast full-length episode, we talked about economics and the economy. And as a bridge between our next topic, which we'll reveal at the end of the episode, is the wage gap. So. Fuck. <laughs> so what? What? So, what do we think about it?
1: Is it real? Yes, we have to. We have to be really careful about what we say here. Okay, um, not just because this is a politically touchy issue, but also because the there is a lot of nuance in this discussion. It's not as simple as just saying women are paid less than men, um, because the actual reality of why women earn less than men. Um, includes a lot of different political and economic factors. So, to start with, we should just say what the pay gap is. If you take the median earning of all women working full-time divided by the median earning of all men working full-time, you get your gender pay gap. It's a percentage. Um, It typically hovers at about... 80 percent so that means that for every dollar a man makes a woman makes 80 cents but again this is including um full-time workers of either gender and it's including all full-time work not necessarily the same um so right
0: and there's uh there's certainly a lot of room for uh for nuance here you know you have occupation you have years of experience um, you know do you actually you know confront your boss about getting a raise or do you just you know sit at what you're started at and just hope that every year you get your merit raise and that's just good enough because um, fun fact your boss isn't going to give you a raise unless you ask for it Yeah and probably if you ask for it you'll get a raise assuming you're a good employee. So if you
1: control for a lot of these factors, uh, occupation, experience, um, you know your particular position in the company, your seniority, how often you ask for raises, um, you can control the gender pay gap down to 98%. So that means there's still 2% that is either accountable to some extraneous factor that we're not computing here or due to genuine sexism. Now, does this mean we shouldn't care about it?
0: Um, well, no. I mean, certainly it makes a a quantifiable difference, and certainly those quantities have been analyzed, and I don't think it's a matter of legislation. You know, Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier and, you know, came to the conclusion that you know, we can't legislate our way to fixing this issue. Um, there's just too much else to it than simply what the books say. Because the books say there shouldn't be one. Um, and that's just the way it is. Like, that's that's been enforced. That's been around for
1: how long was that legislation? That's It's been a while. Uh, I don't know if... Well, in any case, I don't know if there's any legislation that says you can't pay women less, but I do know that there is anti-discrimination laws that would, I think, broadly protect against certain things. Fair enough. Um, but to, to just to say, it wouldn't matter if there were or is this legislation. It's not in exact same position, with exact same position experience and exact same qualifications. You typically find they that they are being paid the same. So even with... Um, payment legislation, you wouldn't see significant shifts in the gender pay gap. Um, Now, this does leave the question that, you know, that 20 percent. There are some people who say that 20 percent difference is due to choices, differences in their lifestyle and stuff. Um, And some of this has a ring of truth to it. There are personality traits that you can map onto people, and these personality traits can actually predict the amount that a person would earn. If you are high in conscientiousness, high in narcissism, and low in neuroticism, you will have a higher income. And It turns out that these personality traits, you know, high conscientiousness, um, high narcissism and low neuroticism. You typically find men with those pairings of personality traits than women. Right. Uh, women tend to be more conscientious, but they also tend to have a high neuroticism and low narcissism.
0: I I think you said it wrong. It's you have to have high conscientiousness, high <laughs> high n- uh, 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 high narcissism and low neuroticism.
1: Yeah, good old Jordan Jordan Peterson. Yeah, so yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get to him. <laughs> well, incidentally, he's uh, if, I, if I understand, he's one of those people who would argue that the, the gender pay gap is largely an artifact of um, gender differences, like biological gender differences, correct?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I know his interview with uh, Kathy Newman gets a lot of attention on the internet be- for one reason or another. I thought it was interesting, is all I will say. Um, but he brings up that controlling for a lot of these it does bring down the actual difference substantially and that um you know being a clinical psychologist he you know in his own words the multivariant analyses have been done um which he loves to say and i think it's funny but he he does have a point about it that um how how you act in a workplace and your fundamental being definitely impacts how certainly how people see you and if people see you in certain ways they will
1: respect you or want to pay you more or less so my position is not it's a little more complicated than that because um where i always come back to is the way we structure society as we had said in the economics episode is largely a choice um i shouldn't not quite so simple, but ultimately structures can change right? as, as even capitalism can exist in, in multi different, multiple different forms. Right. And the type of economy that we have does incentivize and disincentivize certain um, actions, certain behaviors, certain types of businesses. And if we see that women are uh, disadvantaged because of their normal personalities in our economy and women want to work or even need to for a lot of their families it stands to reason that maybe the way our society is structured is not just. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, too, like, the watching a, uh, a video on of um, Zimbardo talking about, um, like, masculinity and stuff like that, but just, like, broadly, um, the percentage of single parents, and especially single mothers, has gone up a lot. Um, and that's one of the one of the interesting things well interesting I guess in one sense that has come out of it is that you know single mothers presumably are working full time or maybe even more than full time Um, certainly I know plenty of people that I graduated high school with that were doing you know 60 hour weeks with a kid and it was amazing to see them like have any hair left when they finally got into a situation where they weren't doing that um, and so you know there's the I guess that makes an interesting organization about you know how we how the economy gets structured in a way that you know even the average person would want to work more than full time in the kinds of jobs that the average person can get Yeah. Yeah. Um, and certainly that disproportionately affects people who have less time to spend working. Um, and while
1: you mention that, there's one, one part of this I think is quite clearly a travesty is the maternity penalty. Yes. So if a woman has a child, her the amount of money she makes predictably decreases by about 4 to 6% per child. The opposite happens to a man. A man gains about 3%. Um, A lot of this has to do with expectations about motherhood and fatherhood. You know, the father is the provider, the mother is the caretaker. But there's also the fact that women typically take maternity leave, which represents a loss in the amount of time that they work, and then afterwards they tend to need more flexible time in order to spend with their family. Men, it's typically the opposite. They end up working more. and so, per child, a man will get more opportunities as their boss, you know, thinks they need more money, more work. Whereas a woman would get gets penalized because she needs to spend time with her family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a a very large reflection of what was going on in the '50s and '60s and '70s um, of the you know single breadwinner household where that was actually super lucrative for a lot of people. That kind of model actually made perfect sense because that's how a majority of households were structured. And so, you know, if both parents did work and then had a kid, yeah, okay, well, that's the family setup at the time in in the culture definitely allowed for, oh yeah, mom gets to stay home and dad gets, you know, a raise or extra responsibility or whatever to make more money. And that's... Like, that's just how it is. Like, there wasn't any – I don't think there was nearly as much thought about whether or not that was what people wanted at the Mm -hmm. time than there is now.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, most families, uh, you know, with both parents uh, attentive, they – both of the parents work. Right. The vast majority of two-parent households now, uh, both parents are employed. So and in a lot of ways in this economy, you can't really get by on just one person's salary now if you're going to raise kids, um, which presents another huge issue. This is why the gender pay gap, in my view, is unjust, even if you can control the way, because it means that there's a whole slew of other factors. There's um, one last thing with the gender pay gap that I find particularly fascinating. Um, there is some self-segregation and occupations that also accounts for this. If you look at the highest-paying careers, they are usually dominated by men, whereas a lot of care work that's less paid is dominated by women. So if you look at doctors, they're primarily men. Uh, you look at nurses, they're primarily women. And in my field, software engineering, it's, it's almost entirely men. Um, and yet, you know, all of my, at least in my office, all of my quality assurance uh, co-workers and all of my um, secretarial coworkers are women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I noticed that in, um, you know, being in math and physics, I think there's, I've had in six years, I've had one female math teacher, and, like, she's super smart, like, hands down, one of the smartest math professors I've had, like, absolutely, um, if you're listening, Paula, thank you, um, (laughs) but... Like, and I don't think that that's, I don't necessarily think that's a reflection of a university as an institution, because certainly there are plenty of women as professors, especially at University of Maine, Um, you know, departments all over the place are, you know, very balanced um, gender wise. But um, I think it's a, it's sort of a byproduct of that, that mentality Mm -hmm. of, you know, the the higher paying occupations typically being held by men and those higher paying fields, like basically STEM fields just in general, um, you know, are more male centric. And so, of course, you would expect to see more male professors because that's, you know, who's doing the research at the university Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that got those degrees to get those jobs.
1: Yeah. So in terms of resolution, I do think that there are positive steps we can take in um addressing the gender pay gap and i don't think as you had indicated it stems from legislating uh, away the gender pay gap a lot of it comes down to uh, political shifts but also you know cultural shifts that need to occur um particularly uh well, a few things. That one one thing, one big thing we can do, which might, might actually involve some legislation, is uh, paid paternity leave. Uh, to deal away with the um, maternity penalty, we can allow men to take time off. And uh, the countries that have implemented that, particularly Sweden and Rwanda, I believe, um, they are on the top ten of the smallest gender pay gaps, and they have uh, paternity leave laws. I think that if we implement this, you know, taking time off of your family won't be seen as such a bad thing or such such a uh, won't be strictly associated with women and I think it would deal away with uh, some of, some of the costs there.
0: Right, absolutely. And uh, like I guess I've never quite understood why the stay-at-home parent was always such a or became such a frowned upon thing lately. Mm-hmm. Like That was just kind of the way it was for a long time because, you know, like we said before, single breadwinner households were a thing for a long time. And so when did we suddenly get to where we said, oh, no, if you stay home with your kids, it's bad. Um, And it's even worse if you're a man. It's like, who cares who stays home and, you know, fosters their children? Like, and we're going to have a... Uh, little segment in the next step in the the big long episode about um, fatherhood and masculinity and stuff like that to go along with um, to go along the topic because you know we well i'll save those takes for that take
1: yeah um while we're here as a as a a short aside too uh, male parental involvement is associated with a lot of really beneficial child outcomes Um, particularly on postpartum depression. Um, Men who take parental leave um, greatly reduce the postpartum depression of the mother and also improve the child's uh, emotional stability. Um, We'll have links to the resources. We're citing all the stats and everything in the description below. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do we want to make a shareable link to the Google Doc or just post everything? Um,
1: We'll just post everything in the
0: description. Fair enough. We'll also... uh, We'll link to our Facebook page, too. We uh, posted our Politiscales test results, and uh, it got one engagement, and it was your girlfriend, which, which is fine. Um, but we're, we're hoping to see if we can uh, have you guys pick out uh, whose scales are whose. I'm sure it won't be hard. <laughs> um, though, I don't know. I, I think we're, we reveal much, but don't reveal much. So who knows? yeah yeah the the test said we were
1: polar opposites
0: yeah which which is funny because we definitely don't get along like polar opposites <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, um link to the facebook page will be in the description also um you know, come check us out we don't post a lot, but you know if we get some if we get some people who start begging us to post, maybe uh maybe I'll do like a live stream on facebook or something on my way to on my way to uni someday, just like seven o'clock in the morning, you just get like the the bare brain haven't had enough caffeine kind of rant it'd
1: be it'd be something that's for sure well you got anything more to say about the uh, gender pickup, james well
0: a lot of things um some of which i'll save for next time but we have to be careful not to just make it a single issue topic mm-hmm. um absolutely there's And, you know, anybody that spends any amount of time on the Internet will see people, um, you know, and especially it's usually feminists because they've taken this as their sort of um, call to action um, as a result of second wave feminism. But um, talking about how it's, you know, just one just one thing or we just you know, we just need this legislation and everything will be okay, or you know, men just need to do this, or um, capitalism is the answer. Or is the is the criminal behind all of this going on? It's like all of those things play a part to some degree, but not any one of those things will fix the problem without you know destabilizing everything else potentially. Um, small changes here and there will go a long way to actually solving this problem, and you know, everybody should just get paid good money for good work and that's mm-hmm. where I'm at.
1: Yeah, and I think I I think uh, maybe I'm a little more aggressive about my <laughs> in my perspective, but I, I largely agree the the gender pay gap is overdetermined, which means that there are many many causes for why it exists. And fully addressing it will require a multi-pronged approach which will be some Politics. Some of it might involve legislation. Others might involve changes in corporate leadership and the way uh, we view particular behaviors, like paternal leave. And it won't. I would love to say that we can just make an equal pay law and check off the box. But if we're going to solve, you know, occupational self segregation, we're going to need to change the way we do education. We're going to need to change the way in which we view particular professions. We're going to need to value caring professions more. And that's, that's all really complex projects, which, unfortunately, I don't really have, like, here's your solution. <laughs> but identifying the problem is really important. And the gender pay gap is, is really insidious. Um, and I believe it's a justice problem with how we structure a society. It's just that it's not eminently targetable. It's, it's like, almost like a hyper-object.
0: Right, yeah. You try, to, you try to grab a hold of it, and then it kind of just... It morphs into something else. Every every layer down you go, there's just some other layer of like, well, it's this. Okay, well, what do we do about that? And then you find out that it's something else, and mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't seem to ever loop back to anything. It just seems to cascade through
1: a yeah, lot of things. And I think I think it's really just because it's it's the way people think, and and it largely just stems from that, um, as we had said. Absolutely,
0: um, and certainly there's. There's no shortage of of sexism around, um, though I think that has become a word that gets used far too often for far too little. At, at times, I'm not saying that's always the case, but um, certainly we try to uh, we try to keep our use of language as prudent as possible here at the. Uh, at Sapientia, which, uh, speaking of being at Sapientia, we're in a new, we're in a new place right now. Um, we definitely are not in my bedroom anymore. Um, you know, like the, um, 20 something, uh, boys that we are, we're in my parents' basement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're just, we're down here. We got the drop cloths. It's... Nice and quiet. Hopefully the um, lighting quality and audio quality will be a little bit better now that I'm not um, recording in, uh, in a room with hardwood floors.
1: But that's not a reason you shouldn't support us. We would like a permanent studio. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider supporting us on Patreon.
0: Yeah, If you, uh, for whoever becomes the first patron, I will send you a picture of me shirtless with whipped cream on my nipples. Yeah, you don't want to disincentivize them, man. <laughs> Justin will be spraying the whipped cream on my <laughs> oh, there it is. Yep. There is <laughs> <coughs> I had to find the incentive somewhere. But no, seriously, if you like what we do, uh check us out on Patreon. We're gonna start doing some like other fun things, like, you know, just short little hot takes here and there about um, you know, random dumb stuff we hear on the internet or read in the news or uh Things like that. Maybe even post a couple of uh, uh, Facebook conversations because they're fun sometimes. Um, yeah. So so check us out. You know, Go other places to find us. We're not going to be on Twitter ever, so don't look there. Um, <laughs> Twitter's a cesspool, and anybody who doesn't think that should reevaluate how they think about Twitter. Um,
1: and as always, thanks for listening.
0: Absolutely. Have a good one.